Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or is that for thinking of Dear John and Hank? It's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, have you ever noticed that Marxists always write only in lowercase? No. Why is that, Hank? It's because they hate capitalism. (laughs) That's a pretty good joke. Uh, that's a pretty good joke. Thanks, John. Hank, I'd like to propose a new opening bit for me in the podcast. Okay. This whole thing right. where I try to share good news, it's not working because I don't feel it in my heart. And I think I think our <laughs> listeners can tell. Yeah, I think so, too. I was thinking maybe we could institute a new thing where I share something every week that I would have tweeted if only I had Twitter. Golden Retriever leads ambulance through maze of alleyways to save his owner. I mean, that news story sounds faked. It sounds like probably an oversimplification of a complicated story to try to make people feel good about a world where I don't think that you should feel unambiguously good. Anyway. (laughs) Um, What would you have tweeted, John? This week, Hank, I would have tweeted a link to the op-ed I wrote in the Washington Post about why I'm not on Twitter. You wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post? Yeah. And I can't even read it because that, that's got a paywall. Well, pay for journalism, Hank. Hilariously, the editor of this op-ed very, very kindly and gently asked me to tweet about the op-ed in question. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he made a good argument, but like, I can't get on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things I need you to be tweeting, John. Th- this is not the only thing. There are many, many things that you have not tweeted that I wish you had. I have even taken, I've even thought about tweeting it myself. What What have you thought about tweeting that you wished I was tweeting about? Just like life's library stuff oh. or, you know, let it snow news. Yeah. Turtles all the way down news. Sure. All this stuff I feel, I'm like, I expect to be seeing. And I'm like, oh, I didn't find out about this because John isn't tweeting. Well, I mean, you could always call me. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> That sounds very time-consuming. I need to just show up in the feed, John. A little bit of the four hours a day you spend on Twitter could be spent calling your dear old brother. 
Oh, God, but if I called you, we'd talk for like an hour. Yeah, and then you'd still have three spare hours. Yeah, but I'd have less time to be on Twitter. (laughs) All right, let's answer some questions from our listeners. This first one comes from Jacqueline, who asks, Dear Hank and John, Hello, my name is Jacqueline, pronounced like Jacqueline, and my question is, why has there been no Ryans in either of your books? Why were the Carls called Carls and not Ryans? I'm a huge fan of your work. From an apple juice lover, Jacqueline. (laughs) Now we know that about Jacqueline. Yeah, like if you have a chance to tell people one thing about yourself, it's apple juice lover. I I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, people are using their sign-offs to not tell us information about themselves. I want to know more about you. Sure. I have a collection of antique swords, Jacqueline. (laughs) No, no, No knives. No giant... Why do people collect giant knives, John? Well, let's not let's 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 not invite let's not invite correspondence from the giant knife community. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to hear from them. <laughs> we should really all use our name-specific sign-offs to to do more at the same time. Here's the answer, Jacqueline. I have never written a character named Ryan because I have a, a friend in real life whose name is Ryan, and I try to avoid real-life friend names in my books now. Uh, you may be saying, Jacqueline, what about An Abundance of Catherines, a book that is entirely about people named Catherine, which is also the name of your sister-in-law, and also contains a character <laughs> named Hassan, which is the name of one of your real-life friends. I'll answer your question, Jacqueline, by saying that that was the last time I did it because people were like, oh, is Hassan Hassan? Is Catherine Catherine? Blah, 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 blah. And oh. I was like, All right, yeah. enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have any control over what my characters are named. Really? I thought I did. I created several times I was just writing and I was like, oh, this is a character. Boom, here's a name. And then I uh, went to, uh, uh, thinking that I would just replace it with something better down the road and then found that it was completely impossible for me to imagine that person being named something else. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is not a problem I have. I'm able to change character names all the time. I just, I feel like they're real people. I can't, you can't just like start calling somebody somebody something else. Well, once I settle into the name and I know why they're named that, they stay named that. But I need to get to a place where I know why they have that name. Like right now, well, I was about to talk about something that I'm working on, but I've decided not to. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't it cut all of that out or should we just be slightly teased? Yeah, let's just, uh, let's let's stop the question here and move on to the next one. (laughs) Wow. All right. This next question comes from Catherine, a different one. (laughs) Dear John and Hank, when one of my friends is having a hard day and texts me about it, how do I respond? Like the other day, my friend was really upset about a recent breakup and I was like, sorry, because what do I say? (laughs) Catherine. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not that. No, not sorry with three question marks. You don't say sorry with three question marks. Um, (laughs) Man. You you probably say sorry. But yeah, this is one of the things that fascinates me about like textual communication. Yeah. It's so hard to – it's – I I also never know quite how to deal with bad news delivered via text message. Well, that's that's because that's that's why we have all of these tools that are not texts inside of our texting apps. Now yeah. we can send, we can draw people a heart with our finger, and that's like it's oh, that's like you'd made something for me. Mm. You can you can create 
I don't know how it works. I'm waving my hands around. Create yeah. with your with your texting app. Yeah. I assume you're not using built-in text messaging. I assume that this is like Snaps app or whatever. And then, or you can send a GIF, GIF, GIF. Did you just uh, say Snaps app? Snaps app. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like it was mixing together Snapchat and WhatsApp was what I was trying oh, to go for. Oh, I was thought my of, goal. I was thinking like Snaps app was like the Snapchat for trees. Snapsap sounds like a good candy, mostly. You should see the filters that like my oak tree uses on Snapsap. I mean, it makes my oak tree look exactly like a maple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something else. But I tell you what, they I, I text my trees, and yeah. it's days, possibly weeks, before I hear back. It is true. Well, I think it's because they're busy Snapsapping each other. Maybe, maybe that's happening. It could be Hank that your trees I mean, happening just aren't that into you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a problem getting uh, any t- any snap saps back from my sycamores. They're immediate responders. That's great. That's I'm, I'm wonderful to hear. Maybe my trees have more of a social life than yours do. I mean, this is the dad jokiest bit we've ever done. It's I mean, it's not great. It's not, <laughs> it's not great. Not going but, down, like, not what, going what down are you in history. Here for? No one's making an animatic about this one. <laughs> John. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I. Th- so first of all, I don't. I would never text someone with like a bad thing that happened to me. It would never occur to me to be like I'm having a bad day, and I'll just like pick a friend and be like, I just wanted to let you know that I'm having a bad day. I just it, it was. It's not in my like it, on the like drop down menu of possible things I could do when something bad happens. Right, but that's because you're much older and just like from a totally different generation. Catherine, I think when somebody texts you bad news, you have a choice. You can either call them and say, mm. hey, I know you were having a bad day, so I wanted to give you a call Oof. so you could actually hear like a supportive voice and I want you to know that I care about you. I hope that you're doing well. Or you can text back something a little bit longer than sorry with three question marks um, along the lines of, I think you're a really wonderful person and I, I think you're amazing and it's a bummer that that dude broke up with you, but you know, yeah that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking you find a gif with the words him mm-hmm. uh you're beautiful and then you send him send him that you're uh or or some kind of words of encouragement delivered via neil patrick harris or markiplier or somebody from the lord of the rings sure and my axe you're better off without him is what you should say uh yeah you should be supportive but you should never, ever, ever, in response to bad news, write sorry with three question marks. <laughs> what do you want uh, me to do about it? Exactly. I'm Catherine, my, a different one. My house, was, my house, unfortunately, was destroyed in a wildfire. Sorry? <laughs> They're looking for a message of support. So if you can deliver that via Gimli the Dwarf, do it. This next question comes from Sarah, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I have a group of about nine-ish friends that hang out a lot. And as you can imagine, or may have experienced, this makes it difficult to plan things like dinners or group outings. What's the etiquette for planning something fun for a subgroup of friends without making other friends feel left out? I've been been doing this unskillfully for years, and it never seems to work out the way I hope it will. Trying to be considerate, but also hang out with smaller groups of people sometimes... Sarah. Sarah, I can solve this problem and I can solve it with three question marks. Every like Monday or Tuesday, my buddy Alex sends a text message to 
all of our friends. Like we have like a group of friends, and the text、mm-hmm. message says trivia with three question marks, and then in parentheses Thursday with three question marks. And the people who say yes hang out with Alex on Thursday at trivia, and the people who say no don't. So the key is you invite everyone, <laughs> but some percentage of people will say no. Right. So you have to start picking things that some people are going to say no to. Yeah. Like fried cheese at my house, everybody's going to come over. Right. Like, You can't, yeah. Th- you will. You start have to be like bowling Thursday, but like specific times during which some people probably can't make it, and also people are like bowling isn't that fun.、Right. Karaoke on Tuesday evening? No. <laughs> See, you'll never get John to karaoke on Tuesday. Also, build a spreadsheet. You want to make sure nobody's getting left out. Mark for everybody who you've seen and keep track of it. And then you have have you haven't seen Del- Dolores for a little while? You got to. Highlight her in red and make sure that you and Dolores get some good quality time. I know what my friends do when they want to see each other and they don't want to see me. They go rock climbing. <laughs> like a couple times a year, all of my friends except for me go rock climbing, and I know I know that they don't like rock climbing. They just need a weekend without me. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta build like the Venn diagram of all your friends and their various interests. Yeah, man, the only way we can get rid of John is literally to climb up this sheer face of granite. <laughs> John's not coming out to this one. <laughs> this is similar. I, my friends will be. My friends have have stopped asking me at this point if I would like to go fishing. I'm like, oh no 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 no. That sounds like it's very early in the morning. Oh, I love fishing. I I also love fishing. It's just I like I do not have the time to even invest in the acquisition of the gear, let alone to go fishing. Sure, sure. No, you are a very busy person. One of the benefits of my de- demotion at work, so that I now report to my little brother, is that I have far more time for fishing. Yeah, and also like I know. Pretty much what you'd say in any given situation. Yeah. Oftentimes, people people will be like, "Would would it be okay if if、uh, if John gave this up?" And I and I'm like, "Oh, it would be okay for John to give. He's perfectly happy to not sit on that panel. I think he'll be okay." Yeah. Yeah. It's true.、Uh, take your friends fishing. Not everybody's gonna want to go, Sarah. So it's perfect. That's good. I like that. That is not the answer I would have given John. And and I'm thirty. Something year old man, I forgot seven, eight, something like that, and I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that because that's the extra three years of life experience you have. Thank you for giving me that, John. All right, Hank. This next question comes from Carly, who writes, "Dear John and Hank, help! I'm a 21 year old college student, and like most people my age, I have friends I knew from high school on Facebook.、Mm-hmm. These people are getting married and starting to have children on purpose." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh huh. I I am in a relationship, but nowhere near getting engaged or having an actual child. Nor am I interested in doing that in the near future. How do you interact with peers who are doing different adult things than you? I comma Carly. Ah, I get that. John,、pun. the first time I had a friend who had a child on purpose was when I was still in high school, and I was like, oh, and I realized that we. We're going to have very different lives, and we stopped being friends. Yeah, I think that happens a lot because you end up with like different leisure activities, yeah, and just different schedules, and and a very different feeling life. Like being a parent is, at least in my experience, like very different from life when you don't have kids. 
uh, whatever a- at whatever age you become a parent. Mm-hmm. That said, I think the way that you continue to bridge that gap is by being conscious of it and being aware of it and working to bridge it. So get, you know, hang out with their kids. You don't have to have a kid to hang out with kids. In fact, in my experience, it's the most effective birth control. <laughs> <laughs> but John, I, I, I'm getting a sense from Carly that yeah. these aren't people. Uh, these are people I knew from high school on Facebook. They're people Carly's age. But how, the question is, you how do you I, interact with peers who are doing different adult things than you? And I think you just have to understand that they're doing different adult things. Sure, you can sure. still like You can still like their picture and be like, oh, my God, cuties, question mark, question mark, question mark. Do you ever feel like because Facebook exists now, we hold on to friendships that maybe we don't need? Is this a bad one? I feel I feel bad to be like, hey, sometimes like it's okay to have be, have friends, and then in the future you won't be friends with that per- person anymore. But it's a thing that happens. You know that uh, that New Year's Eve song, "Old Lang Syne," should old acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to mind. Is that what sometimes- that song is about? Oh yeah, that's literally those are the first words of the song. <laughs> that part's in English. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I knew the words. I just I yeah. didn't know what an old acquaintance was. I thought it might be like uh, like a Scottish word for like memories. No, it's <laughs> it's it's not. It's a it's a Scottish word for you know people you know but not well. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so like a like the English like, also like American acquaint- version acquaintances, of that. if you will. Um, <laughs> Anyway, sometimes I listen to that song, which I think might be the most beautiful song in, in, in the, I've ever heard in my life. But sometimes I listen to that song. And, and of course, the rhetorical answer should, to should old acquaintance be forgotten never brought to mind is, well, of course they shouldn't be forgotten. And in fact, we have to toast them right now, uh, you know, to days of old Lang Syne. But sometimes I think to myself, man, maybe old, sometimes old acquaintance should be forgotten never brought to mind. So, John, in the song, uh, Old Lang Syne, he says, for old Lang Syne, my Joe. Yeah. Who's Joe? Uh, deer. Joe is a deer? A female deer? No, no, no. <laughs> There's, can, I mean, can, we just, <laughs> can we spend a little more time laughing at that one? <laughs> I was glad you liked it. Not my best work, but I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> so, so stupid. <laughs> To, to, to return to your question, Carly, I think if you want to be friends with these people, then you've got to be conscious of the ways in which your life are different and li- do a good job of listening to each other. And if you don't want to be friends with them, that's fine. Just like the occasional photo. No big whoop. Yeah. Sometimes old acquaintances should be forgot. This next question comes from Callie, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm going to turn 18 soon, and I have many questions about what it's like to be a legal adult. However, a very important one occurred to me over my family's past vacation. When I become an adult, am I still allowed to race down empty hotel hallways like a hyper-energetic child? Do other people even do this? As two people who seem to spend a decent amount of time in hotels, do either of you ever do this? I am in dire need of advice on this matter. Going back to Cali. I have thoughts, John, but hit me with yours first. I do remember doing this in high school. Like, I loved running up and down a hallway, and I still don't totally understand why. It's not something I do much anymore unless I'm, like, leaving the hotel bar and then the elevator takes a long time and I really have to pee. (laughs) 
I I think the last time I did this, well, first, Callie, I will say other people do do this yeah. because I have had many a hotel room in which I have heard children slash young adults running up and down the hallways, giggling, yes. making noise. It is it is an audible noise in the hotel room. Yes. And so, yes, I have experienced it. I've also done it. I think probably the last time I did it was well after my 18th birthday. I was solidly, probably I'd say in the like mid late twenties was the last time I ran full speed down a hotel hallway. And, and what changed from then to now that I haven't done it in probably a decade. I don't know, John, something inside of me, possibly my meniscus. (laughs) Yeah. I, it is weird how I don't miss being young. I really don't. And I love adulthood. I think adulthood is tremendously underrated by young people, or certainly was it was underrated by me when I was a young person. But at the same time, there is something sort of tragic about the fact that I no longer run up and down hotel hallways. And I and I know that. Like, I, I get why people would look at a middle-aged person, you know, mm-hmm. walking at, at an amiable pace down a hotel hallway <laughs> and think like, oh... You know, there's a person who's no longer sucking the marrow out of life or whatever. I just don't want to anymore. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. I mean, there's something about like that when you sort of get off the the elevator and it's like this long expanse and you're like, wow, look at how you usually can't run far and straight inside of a hall. Like I'm never in a hallway this long. And so something beckons to you about it to be like, okay, bust it out. Push yeah. hard. Go, right. go, go. Uh, and maybe I've been in hotels so much that I that thought doesn't occur to me anymore. Or maybe I just uh, don't have a playful enough mind anymore. I and will say when I'm at my house wearing socks, there's a long hallway with wooden floors in my house. And sometimes I will like get a running start and then do the sock slide, yep, the, like yep. risky business sock slide. Yep. I'll still do that. But every time I do it, I think, you know, this could be the last time I sock slide and the first <laughs> time I tear my ACL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, we're solidly in the winter here in Missoula, Montana, and I, I definitely spend a fair amount of time uh, skating across icy sidewalks and enjoying myself, but also thinking someday I will have to stop doing this functionally for my health. Or not. I don't know. Will you? Well, I I mean, eventually I'll be dead. All right. Let's move on. This next question comes from Anonymous, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I was out to a midnight dinner with my friends when I realized I lost my car keys. I quickly ran outside, ran back, panicked, expressed how bad the situation was, ran back outside. They paid my tab and came out to help. So here we all are shivering and panicked Mm. and tired and about to call a tow service when my hands slowly graze over my pocket and lo and behold, there are my keys. Oh, I, this sounds like me. Sounds like something I'd do. I've I've been in analogous situations many times. I suddenly had the idea to check the table one more time, went back in and came out with my large glob of keys in my hand saying I had found them on the table. They actually believed me and we all made up a story that the waiter had deceptively done it. What do I oh. do? Do I come clean days later and laugh off that I'm a liar as if I didn't just lower myself to the level of the worst politicians? Do I continue to let them believe that the waiter is a shady person? In mm. case they listen to Dear Hank and John, I am anonymous. Well, first of all, your lie was so bad. Oh, so bad. 
You could have, you could have found that. You could have, it could have been like, oh, I went to the bathroom. Yes. I forgot I went to the bathroom. Or, yes, that is oh, exactly the- what I would have done. I would have, I would have been like, wait, oh, did I leave them in the bathroom? And then I would have faked that I left them in the bathroom. Don't get me wrong, anonymous. I definitely would have lied in your situation. And also, I would definitely continue lying in your situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's a bummer that everybody blamed the waiter. Like, feels like yeah. a cliche person to blame, although I kind of get it, I guess, because, like, who else could possibly be responsible for this? <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, the answer is anonymous. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you just got to continue with the lie. Hank, this reminds me of something that happened to me, but I, I'm not lying when I tell you this story. So I was living in Chicago. One morning, I... Walked outside to get in my car to drive downtown, and my car was not where I had parked it the night before. I walked Mm -hmm. like a Mm two-block radius around my apartment, and I was like, well, I guess someone stole my car. So I called the police, and the police Mm -hmm. came, and they said, your car is probably like two and a half blocks away, and you forgot where you parked it. And I said indignantly, (laughs) there is a reason that I have lived in Chicago for five years and never called the police about my car being stolen, which is that this is the first time it has been stolen. Flash forward about two hours, I get a phone call from the police that says that they've located my car two and a half blocks away. (laughs) I walk to the location where they found my car Uh and I get in my car and the car, it was a stick shift car. The car had been left in reverse, which is something that a lot of people do in stick shifts to, uh, to, I don't know, keep the car from being, from rolling away or something. But you don't really have to do it with contemporary stick shift cars. I have never done this in my life. This is not a lie. Somebody stole my car. (laughs) Drove it (laughs) for an indefinite period of time, parked it two and a half blocks away. And the reason I know this is because I would never have left my car stuck in reverse when turning it off. And no one will believe me, which is why I am still telling the story. Like, if just one person had believed me in the last 15 years, I would have been able to just stop worrying about this. But I I did not, like— Enter a fugue state, drive my car two and a half blocks away, park it in reverse, and then walk away. That did not happen. Someone stole my car. Okay. Uh, Someone stole your car and drove it a half a block. But, John, by bringing this up. Two two and a half blocks. Definitionally, more people will... disbelieve you now than they did (laughs) one minute ago because more people know about the story i know and every time i tell someone the story they're like don't you think it's possible and no it's not possible (laughs) someone stole my car without keys i don't know how they did it It, but (sighs) i have a very a very similar story to this one except it's my bike and it's i got married i got married i uh, went on my honeymoon, came home, my bike was gone, and I was like, my bike got stolen. And then about three months later, I found my bike chained up outside of the Florence Hotel in Missoula, Montana. And I was like, <laughs> here's my bike. I need to call the cops so they can cut the lock off and give me my bike back. And then I was like, that's my lock. <laughs> They're still using my lock. How do they know my combination? And then I was like, oh, I biked to the Florence Hotel to go to my like morning rehearsal breakfast thing, then just left it there for the last four months. <laughs> 
But see, that is a story that makes sense. Like I, I was at that breakfast, and I remember that immediately after that breakfast, we went back to your house to play like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, so you could try to chill out a little bit before your wedding. Because <laughs> I was not doing great. It was the only time I've ever seen you, like close to what I would describe as John Green anxious. <laughs> Yeah. So that that makes sense. Like, I understand yeah. that narrative. I do not understand how my car got two and a half blocks away from my apartment, but we can move on. Okay. Uh, this next question comes from Alyssa, who asks, Dear Hank and John, my default browser window when I open a new tab is to tab for a cause. It's a web page search engine that shows me ads, and then I can donate part of the revenue they make from the ads to a charity as hearts. I donated 300 hearts to the Foundation to Decrease World Suck. Do you know if this is real? Where do my hearts go? What are they used for? Am I getting straight up duped? Thanks, Alyssa. You're not getting duped, and I know that because we get a large donation to the Foundation to Decrease World Suck, which is our charity, from Tab for a Cause every year. It is true. It works. It's a real thing. Yeah. So you can go to Tab for a Cause, and basically ads happen in the background of your web browsing, and it doesn't significantly slow down my browser, and it generates money for charities. You can pick which charities you want it to go to. It's got lots of different charities that they work with. They've worked with the Foundation to Decrease World Suck for a long time. In fact, I think the founders of it are nerdfighters. And yeah, it's actually, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. In fact, that reminds me, Hank, that today's podcast is brought to you by Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause, you can raise money for charity. I feel bad about taking sponsorship revenue from them, but okay. This <laughs> podcast is also brought to you by Joe, a deer, a female deer. Uh, not your bro, your Joe, your deer. Today's podcast is also brought to you by being off social media, being off social media. <laughs> I had to mention it because it's been six minutes. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Rock Climbing Without John. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to rock climb. You cannot <laughs> rock climb with him. It's weird that, that for all of my friends, that would be their... This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different. And 
more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order, plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. Favorite hobby. <laughs> All right, Hank, let's answer another question. This one comes from Emmy, who writes, Dear John and Hank, it sounds like there's someone in my attic, but I'm too scared to check it out. Someone? Yeah. What should I do? Like Oscar and Tony, Emma. Emmy. Sorry, that makes more sense. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Emmy. Uh, So there might be someone in your attic. It sounds like like... So for complete clarity, uh, I once worked in an office building that was not very nice. And sometimes like there would be like noises above, above like the bathroom. And I assume that it was rats or raccoons or something. And like, and even like at one point I saw like a bunch of stuff had fallen through the vent. Like, so I thought maybe like somebody was building a nest up there and we found out that it was actually a human being living between the floors of the building. Right. There was a person who lived like between the second and third floor of Hank's old office building. I don't think that's the situation here, Emmy, but I I want to emphasize that you can't rule it out. I've looked at YouTube videos on this topic, uh, (laughs) and it does seem to occasionally happen. Or I don't know why I've looked at YouTube (sighs) videos on this topic, but it's like seven times people were found to be living in someone else's attic. That's an example title. So, Emmy... (laughs) Here's what you're going to do. That sounds sounds like one, a YouTube video that the algorithm has correctly identified as one that John would click on and also one that John would click on. Like YouTube knows so much about you. It's like, you know, I know that this this video isn't going to be good for you, but you are going to watch it. So we have decided to show you this thumbnail. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, I believe that this guy once Googled, is there someone in my attic? And so nine (laughs) years later, I'm going to show him this video that says, yes, yes, there is someone in your attic. (laughs) Emmy, you're going to call an exterminator and the exterminator is going to come and go into your attic. And one of two things is going to happen. One, there's going to be a raccoon, which I think is like overwhelmingly the most likely scenario. And that raccoon is going to get dealt with one way or another. Two, the exterminator is going to encounter the person who's living in your attic. And then that's their problem. Because <laughs> that's their house now. Right. Yeah. The, the exterminator has inherited your home and they have to deal with this. I mean, I'm laughing, but this really is one of my great terrors. <laughs> it's terrifying. It is terrifying, and I don't like it. Um, and now I need to check my attic. Yeah, there's a different. Yeah, there's a big difference between like hearing noises and hearing people, right? Like, if you're <laughs> hearing like human voices uh-huh. talking to each other, then I would get. get I would. Yeah, that's that's out of that the sounds house. like a police time. That sounds like a, a time for a police, and that's why the police are there. Uh, I assume that you haven't heard human voices, but also raccoons are very advanced. Oh my god! Yeah, they have human hands. Just just like people, they have human hands and frequently invade strangers' attics. <laughs> Oh, no, it's not a thing that people frequently do. It is. Just Hank, like it's a humans, very common problem. They have, they have human hands and they eat exactly the same food as people. There's nothing that people eat that raccoons don't eat. Hank, I'd like to show you a website called. Oh, God, no. <laughs> What's video colon man finds woman living in attic. 
I'd also <laughs> like to show you a website called Someone is Living in My Attic, three exclamation points. Creeper in my apartment, question mark. Someone has been living in our attic, two exclamation points. This is a genre. It's this, this, uh, this article is titled, It's Just Weird. Seattle man finds stranger living in his attic. <laughs> Six. I actually I found the YouTube video I watched. It's it has two million views, so I'm oh not alone. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's called Six Sick Strangers Caught Living in Other People's Houses." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, uh, D- Davis says I don't immediately freak out, but I'm like, this is not ordinary. <laughs> I do immediately freak out. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> like that's the perfect person to experience someone else. Right. Like a, an unexpected stranger living in the attic is the person who doesn't usually freak out. Yeah. Like I want to call Davis and be like, do you want a job? Like you sounds like you're good in high stress circumstances. <laughs> Sounds like you can yeah. really handle handle some curveballs life throws at you. I think I think you might be good for the conference planning industry. <laughs> That's my new question for all of our applicants to jobs. How would you feel if you found someone living in your attic? <laughs> would you think that that's like just weird and like something you could handle or would you like freak out run out of the house call like run into your neighbor's home hide in their attic while calling the cops <laughs> that's of course how it's all happened you know it's just <laughs> it's an epidemic <laughs> it's a, it just spreads from person to person it's yeah oh god Oh man, I am. I mean, the very first thing I'm going to do when I get off this call is go into my attic and make an extremely thorough right. accounting. I feel. I feel like we have to have a warning at this point in the podcast to be like, when, when, not if, because like, of course, this is what's going to happen. You check your attic for strangers. Be very careful. It's difficult to go up those little ladder stairs sometimes. Oh, I thought you meant be very careful. There is likely a stranger in your attic. <laughs> no, no, I just don't want you to fall over. That's by far the most dangerous part of this podcast. It's people oh God. falling on their way up to their attic. Now people are like, do I even have an attic? Wait, 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 wait. There's a big possibility we have not considered, which is that it's a ghost. What if it's a ghost raccoon? Oh my God, what if it's a ghost raccoon? Then you really have to move. <laughs> this, can, we, can we move on now? Yeah. This next question comes from Liam, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm starting to apply for colleges, and I feel like there's pressure to be good at one specific subject. It seems like most of my friends have their thing that they're really good at, like painting or math. But I just kind of have basic knowledge about a lot of things. How do I find my thing? Wondering if lip balm can be my thing. Liam. Liam, there are so many jobs. Like, there are so many different kinds of careers and different kinds of life that you can have and in many not all certainly but in many of those careers and lives it is more helpful to have several things than it is to have one thing like it's more helpful to be someone who knows how to learn and someone who knows how to write a sentence and somebody who knows how to deal with people than it is to be you know a a PhD in mathematics Mm-hmm. I think the part of this is going in self-aware and like understanding that like maybe you're not a one thing kind of person. 
Um, it certainly is a society where we have a lot of a lot of jobs with extreme specificity in mind. But I also find that that specificity isn't really found until you get out of school. So you have sort of like a, that, that basic background and then you get more specific as you get into the workplace. But also there are lots of jobs that require, as John says, a broad base of knowledge and also a really good ability to learn and problem solve and figure stuff out. And I, I think that that can be very well taught through an education that doesn't necessarily have one thing. Yeah, Hank, that's good advice. I mean, you're such you're a good CEO. Well, thank you very much, John. Here I am. I also have no idea what the frick I am doing. I was not trained for this job. Oh, God. Yeah. Every time I look at a spreadsheet, I'm like, I can't believe that like yeah. they've allowed me to get away with looking like somebody who knows how to look at a spreadsheet. <laughs> Julie opens the budget and I'm like, I mean, it looks good, right? No, I had to call Julie the other day and ask her like the most basic question about a spreadsheet, which was how do I make all of, how do I show what adding all of these numbers together equals? Oh, you don't know how to do a sum function. I love I, it. Wow. I do now. I do now. Not to brag. But until I learned how to do a sum function, what I did, used to do was I would copy all of the numbers from the spreadsheet and I would paste them into the Google search bar and then I would put a plus sign between oh, each of them. Oh, wow. Which also works, but is not no. as quick. Yeah, yeah, I guess that works. You could also just like write them down with a pencil and do a bunch of addition. Well, the other thing I would sometimes do is I would just look at the numbers and try to get like an approximate sense of the sum. Oh, I yeah, I do do that all the time. Yeah. So I'll be like, that's around 80. Could be could be 90 or 70. Could be 62. I'm not I'm not great at addition. Yeah. But if I do it enough times, it'll all come out in the end. <laughs> I mean, that is too real. That is too real for me. Where I'm like, okay, so now I've estimated it once to be 90. Let's try estimating it again from scratch. <laughs> it's, it's too real. Oh, I'm I so mean, glad I demoted I, you. I, I really you, feel... You're a I liability. Really, I feel super exposed on the spreadsheet front. Yeah. No, I mean, for the record, oh. I would like to just say that one cannot be demoted by someone who isn't yet their boss. I demoted myself and then you accepted my demotion. I love spreadsheets so much. I built a really good spreadsheet recently uh, for a potential business partner that we want to work with. And, oh, it's such a thing of beauty. You change one number over here and one number over here. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. Whole thing changes itself. I Wait, love you it. can build them from scratch? Yeah, I mean, uh, eventually someone has to build the spreadsheet from scratch. Like, it's, Oh, uh, I didn't... I. Oh, I can't build one from scratch. I, I, I can't build one from scratch like that. I have to wait until someone sends me a spreadsheet. One time I tried to make a spreadsheet for my accountant for my taxes, and I sent it to her, and she wrote back, I don't understand what you've done here. Can you send a Word doc? <laughs> <laughs> Like, my spreadsheet building is so bad, my accountant was just like, why don't you write all of this out? <laughs> Yeah. All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to ask this question from Celia. It's a big one. She asks, Dear John and Hank, why does cold water taste so good and hot water taste so bad? Pumpkins and penguins, <laughs> Celia. Uh, it's interesting because, like, you put some stuff in some hot water and then you got a good thing. You got hot chocolate, tea, coffee, that kind of thing. We're all down with that. Yeah. Just, like, 
especially warm water mm-hmm. is I'm like, Ooh, something seems bad. Like I shouldn't be doing this. And I think that that goes down to like, if you're going to be drinking water without like modern infrastructure, you're going to want to find the coldest water possible because yeah. the warmer the water is, the more life there is in it. So you think it's like an evolutionary adaptation that when we drink plain water that's the exact temperature of our mouths, we're grossed out. Like you think that is built in, hardwired into the human brain. Yeah, I think that it is it is hardwired to prefer cold over hot water because cold water is less likely to have pathogens in it. I definitely see that. And I have to say that even now I kind of believe when like hot water is coming out of the tap that it is more mm. gross. Yeah, interesting. And I know that's probably irrational, but I still it believe is. that. So, well, I mean, probably I'm going to stick with my probably. <laughs> I'm not here to I'm not here to tempt microscopic fate. That's not the business I'm in. Okay, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, there you go, Celia. We it's for that's our, my that's that's my guess anyway. I'm not going to be like Hundo P. <laughs> that's my new thing. I say oh. Hundo P now. Uh, I'm not going to be Hundo P on that because because look, mm. evolution is complicated. Uh, how are you doing, John? You okay? No. This is my new trick. I can Mm. give John an immediate fever by just saying Hundo P. That's, I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good in my heart. I'm feeling very sad now. It's a thing people say. I have never heard anyone say Hundo P other than you and maybe Logan Paul. Do you, do you hear Logan Paul say very much? I mean, I think that you are to blame for the reason that Logan Paul shows up on the Vlogbrothers YouTube homepage. I, I, no, I, no, I am not. I, I never watch uh, the it's LP. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I don't, I'm, I'm busy watching six, six strangers caught living in other people's houses. It's, Good, <laughs> yeah. high-quality YouTube content. And I'm, and I'm watching, like, machines get made by other machines. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Just going to take a gander at the old watch history here. If you're going to look at the watch history, I'm going to look at the watch history, and I'm going to see what embarrassing things you watched recently. Uh, you, got, I mean, it's all classic Tetris and Rocket League. I can't stop watching, I can't stop watching high-quality classic Tetris. <laughs> That's why I'm getting all these Rocket League videos. I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stop. It, it is an addiction. I'm really into <laughs> Rocket League videos right now. I've never even played Rocket League. What's the deal? Uh, no, I, I I did watch a few, like, uh, not just people playing Rocket League, but people giving me tips on how to play it well. And I'm like, yeah. why am I watching this? <laughs> I also, um, <laughs> yeah, I also, like, watched an hour and a half of the Rocket League World Championships. And by the end of it, I had, like, a team that I was rooting for and a favorite member of that team. And when the crowd would chant MVP, I would be like, yeah, MVP, MVP. I got I to gotta stop watching Rocket League. <laughs> That's okay. I don't All mind. Right. I don't okay. mind that, that particular suggestion. So there you go. Hank theorizes that warm water just is grosser. I think it's just grosser. John, yes. do you have news from AFC Wimbledon that you hmm. want to share, or would you just like to skip it? Uh, I mean, I don't have any news that I'm that excited to share. <laughs> It's, it's been a difficult it's just yeah. been a hard year and AFC Wimbledon are are not just in last place but they are distantly in last place so if you want to see a third tier English soccer team in the form of AFC Wimbledon the time to do that is definitely now 
because I don't think it's looking like they're going to be a third-tier English soccer team next year. They lost 3-0 to Fleetwood Town. Uh, goals in the 19th, 30th, and 83rd minute after losing 4-1 in their previous League One matchup. So two consecutive uh, three-goal defeats. Not good. Uh, next League One game is against Sunderland, high-flying Sunderland, high-flying super-rich Sunderland. So... It's looking like we are going to be moored to the bottom for the remainder of the season. What's the news from Mars? How's things? How's things on Mars, John? We we uh, the news from Mars is that uh, Donald President Donald Trump offered a NASA official unlimited funding if they could get to Mars before twenty twenty. <laughs> um, wait, they said, wait, wait, wait. What is unlimited? A. What does unlimited funding mean? B, does Donald Trump know about the Mars sometimes being much further away from Earth than other times thing? Because to, to be fair to the president, I did not know that until No, yeah, the I don't think most people do. Yeah, I think most people are, are like, once you say it out loud, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think that he's probably super aware of that. Um, I don't know. The, uh, the headline is Trump offered NASA unlimited funding to go to Mars in his first term. Mm. Uh, in New York Magazine, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, perhaps, perhaps it is. It, it was unclear, so it was like as they were sitting down to do a live thing. There was this a NASA official and astronaut with him. Uh, Ivanka was there. They were going to uh, congratulate Peggy Whitson, um, uh, v, like direct to the International Space Station. Peggy uh, was an astronaut on the ISS at that time, and. Uh, the, yeah, so they were sitting down, and, and I guess he was doing small talk, maybe, but uh, but basically said, you know, how can we get this done? Can we get this thing done? I'd like to get a big accomplishment under my belt. Maybe we could get there by 2020. And uh, and they, I think that uh, everybody was like, no, that's not a thing that can physically occur. Uh, and he was seemed a little bit disappointed about it. Well, so they they did uh, they did have to explain some orbital mechanics stuff to him. Mm. Um, and uh, and also that uh, that they couldn't push back the conversation that they were having with with astronaut Peggy Whitson because uh, the ISS has to be above um, them while they're having that conversation, not behind the Earth from their perspective, and that is a pretty short window. Uh, it's to be fair, that's stuff. also something I probably wouldn't have known. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm sorry, Hank, that we're not going to Mars in 2020. Despite an offer of unlimited funds, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, I don't, I don't want us to uh, to rush things. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't, like, I think that if you're tr- sure. if you're trying to do it in a two year window, it seems yeah. like you're going to move fast, break things. You don't want to do that when you're dealing with very big rockets with people on top of them. Right. So, uh, probably for the best. I'm still I'm still optimistic for 2028. Seems like seems like SpaceX is doing just fine, laying off. 10% of its staff. We're all good. No bigs. <clears throat> I'm, we're going to be fine. So really, neither AFC Wimbledon nor Mars are crushing it at the moment. <laughs> Mars is great. Lots of good stuff is happening on Mars. I mean, a lot of good stuff uh, is happening at AFC Wimbledon, too. As far as a manned mission to Mars, it's not going great. That, right. That's like saying there's a lot of great things happening with AFC Wimbledon. They're building a new stadium. Yeah. The youth teams are strong. The women's mm-hmm. team is strong. There's, there is just the one problem. Right. 
Well, which is the, I, what I will say is not doing great is my bet. My bet is not looking not looking strong. And we should say for new listeners that this podcast will be renamed Dear John and Hank if there are no humans on Mars by the end of 2027. All right. No, Hank, by the end is, of 2028. I believe it's 2027. We can look it up later. The point is, Hank, <laughs> it's been a pleasure to pod with you. <laughs> It's been a pleasure to pod with you too, John. Thank you. Uh, thank you to everybody who sent us questions. You can send us questions via email at hankandjohn at gmail.com. You can also send us questions via Twitter, but John won't see those, so don't do that. Sorry, I'm now not I'm on the mentioning social internet. It. Yeah, no, I'm doing it. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communication is Victoria Bongiorno. The music that you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, Don't forget forget to be be awesome. awesome.